Eight. All right. Today's topic, according to the random table of topics, is how do you manage enemy and NPC hit points? Ah, uh, yes. Hello, and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about running role-playing games. Each episode, our guest rolls on our table of topics, and we discuss it. My name is Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. And this week, we are joined by our special guest, Jason. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, yeah, thank you thank you for rolling on the random table. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be an interesting one to talk about. But uh, yeah, so you and Andy know each other, but I've, I've never met you. Um, so why don't you tell me a little bit about your, your history in, in gaming? Sure, sure. So, boy, um, I started way back with the Red Box, basic Red Box, back in the eighties. Oh yeah. Um, and then, um, then I had that, and I got all the other boxes. Did your typical Mountain Dew, Doritos, Pizza Nights up until <laughs> two in the morning, and then into the next day. Um, and then I played some Paranoia. And I had, I never gamed with anybody on it, but I had this game called uh, Star Drive. I don't know if you remember that one. Yes, was that, uh, that was TSR, uh, I right? Don't, I don't know if it was TSR, but it was, it was really cool. It was very detailed. It was kind of like um, Traveler, but not. I, huh. I don't, you know. But then I had that, and then I, uh, I kind of got into um, the religious crowd. That was very against these particular types of games, and so I, um, I I kick myself now. But oh, I played Star Wars. I had the West End game Star Wars books, and I um, we went to a book burning party. Oh no! And so it was. You know, this was not good stuff. And you should get rid of it. And so all my West End Star Wars books. Oh. And my star drive in my D and D box sets went into the big pile. Oh no! Oh, I, that hurts to know. hear. Yeah, and so um, and so I, you know, went that route. My life kind of went that way. Um, and then it was I had just recently got married, and it was still getting the the itch to get back into it. But I didn't want to play Dungeons and Dragons, right? <laughs> yeah. I wanted to play a role-playing game. And so um, I can't remember what, what group came out with the Lord of the Rings role-playing game. So the I was Cypher. like, okay, yes, that's what it is, yes. And so I said I want to get into that. And at the time, I was working at a um, a large uh, megachurch in Michigan. And um, I, Andy, I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was and how we got hooked up but we yeah it was a mutual other. acquaintance connected us so then we started chatting and we're like hey yeah we want to get into it again and let's let's start uh you know i want to role play again so we started with that and then uh we did star wars and i think andy you were the one that came over to run the star wars game and i remember vividly running across a cargo bay of some kind trying to get to a shuttle Yes. My character trying to do that. That's one of the, in our, in our kitchen at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember I re- that one. I remember and, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And so, and then, so it was Lord of the Rings. And then, um, just a little bit later after that, we were just like, you know what? I, I don't really care anymore. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to play D and D, you know, yeah. this is, this is the thing. And so 
Yeah, and so then, Andy, I think you... I don't know, did you come by where I was DMing at one point, or where, where did you yeah, just come I've, by? Yeah, I've DM? played in some games run by you, um, as well as GM some games that you played in. I think when you uh, started getting more into D&D, I, I don't think I did too much gaming with you after that, but I did check in with you guys from time to time, if I recall. Yeah, we did that, and then um, uh, life took me um, out of the, the church, but not before. At, at that time... A lot of the the pastors would always make like sports analogies. <laughs> they would say, you know, talk about sports or whatever, and I'm like, and I would tell you, pastor, at that time, I said, you are completely losing a core niche of kids, these nerd kids that are here that are rolling their eyes, going, I don't understand. I said, so you need to you need to give them something for their brains, and so I actually had started a a gaming ministry at the church that to this day is still going on. Oh my oh, goodness. You know that Andy? Yeah. So at, at Res Life over there, they still have, and they play Pathfinder. Oh and my. then they pay another game that one of the other kids they made up. And so it's, yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of kids, but I, my jaw just dropped. That's amazing. Like that, that is still going on. Yeah. It's crazy. And so life took me in a different direction, came out to Colorado. I started a group and, through some different circumstances and whatnot, we landed on this group that I have had, we've had that's going over two years now. Hey, that's, that's great. Two level 18s, two level 17s, two level wow. 16s. Wow. So the same campaign for two years. Yeah. And it's basically, it's the same world that I don't know <laughs> if you remember that I had back then, Andy. Uh, I do the same, remember. The yeah. same world that I'd had before. And that world has exploded with so much rich history now that's fantastic you know there's a couple things a couple things that really jumped out from your uh your own history and i can relate to the D D and religion thing i grew up in a religious uh setting as well and it wasn't quite to the book burning level but there was a definite stigma against Dungeons and dragons and i tell you if you're in that circumstance lord of the rings role-playing games are like the ticket uh, yeah. because <laughs> although functionally they're pretty much just D and D set in middle earth, Tolkien has that seal, a religious seal of approval. So it's good. To, it won't get examined the way D and D is. So yeah. that's my hot tip for any uh, listeners out there in that situation. Go find the, yeah. the latest Lord of the Rings game and you'll be all good. Uh, well, even that, even if you mentioned the word Pathfinder, because it doesn't say Dungeons and Dragons. That's true. Yeah. Pathfinder yeah. is the same exact thing. Just don't tell anybody. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this actually dovetails, I think, pretty nicely into our topic then. So, I mean, you're running sort of endgame stuff. I guess, how are you managing all these different enemies and NPCs and just sort of everybody who's coming together? Yeah, so basically, uh, but Andy, Andy knows this, back, way back when um, I had created, it was actually just a soundscape app that I had made way, way years ago that I had made to mix music and whatnot. And then just recently, a couple of years ago or more, I started on my own DM tools uh, application. It started out basically as the soundscape mixing thing, kind of like Sirenscape, but in a browser, playing my own music that I have from every video game, all the sound effects and whatever. But then I, I moved it into, morphed it into, a, you know, my initiative tracker and whatnot. And then now I have my own monster editor. And so what I'll do is I have all the monsters from the monster manual in it and I can take it and I can clone a monster and then just, I just kind of tweak it there. Mm -hmm. As far as, you know, like NPCs and hit points and whatnot, as far as encounter building, it kind of goes along the same, the same thing is 
because I know my characters, the the players, I know what I have given them as far as magic items and what they have, because we're running more of a high magic campaign than the standard medium to low that 5e has. So I've modified those uh, multipliers. So I've said, okay, and so I have my own calculator that I've made to basically plunk in their levels, and I'll say, okay, this is these are the monsters that I have. And so I've kind of almost got it down to a science in that way, but specifically for my group, where I can say, okay, it's, it's this. But in general, because 5e is so flexible, you can really just go and you're like, hey, I want this. Okay, let me flip through. I said, okay, CR18, they've got between this and this many hit points. Okay, I need a mob. Like just the other day, I had to, um, I need a fire giant, uh, leader. And so I just took the fire giant, regular fire giant, said, okay, let's give him a couple legendary, few legendary actions, some other abilities. Uh, I think I took the immolation ability from, whatever monster it was. And then I just looked at it and I went, <laughs> so, I don't know, we've probably all done this. I looked at it and said, 13 D12? Nah, I'll make this 16. Yeah. Yeah, that looks okay. Sure. But then, as you get into it, as our, as is a DGM prerogative, you go, okay, this guy is going down way faster than I thought. <laughs> yeah. Uh... And you just go over there and you plunk in little numbers and you don't subtract when you needed to. Or you, you know, you either give them some more or you're like, okay, I'm going to kill my players if I continue with this. So I need a Deus Ex Machina of some mm-hmm. kind. Uh, I'll throw this in here. I just want to butt in real quick because I think this is a, this is a good time that we should all confess. So Andy, do you do this? Do you, do you adjust hit points on the fly? Yeah. The way I, I adjust hit points is um oh yeah i i do yeah um, it, the way it most the way it most commonly happens is i just decide that a monster is low enough in hit points that i am going to knock it out or kill it or have it retreat and it's mostly a it's usually done when not not usually to like save the players but it's usually done in that uh, to keep the combat moving to to mm-hmm. clear it out to bring it to a, a conclusion if it's starting to drag on but yes yeah, I've, I, I guess I've, I fudge die rolls and I fudge monster hit points and I'm sitting here right now admitting it. Oh yeah, me, me too. I just wanted to make sure that I was in, in good company. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's a, um, it's a story based mm-hmm. game. You know, there, I know there are a lot of play, people who love to play for the, like, hack and slash portion of it or really get into the mechanics and want, want to min max and are really, you know, straight you know, they like the rules, go by the rules and whatnot. That's fine, but I always try to bring things around to the story. Well, you're we we welcome you with open arms into the society of people that blatantly toss the rules <laughs> under the bus uh, for the sake of story. But hey, yeah. I wanted I would like to back us up a little bit and look at this topic that we rolled because so the topic we rolled was how you manage. Uh, enemy hit points and stuff like that in combat. I would like to expand this a little bit to say what and how do you what do you track and how do you track all just the details and the numbers of a combat and all the stuff that's going on? Because depending on what game you're using, this can be just a couple of simple numbers per side, or it can be 
a dozen or more different different things you've got to keep track of. So, Chris, let's start with you. What do you track? And it, I know you're playing a D&D campaign, so you can answer me uh, in with a D&D answers if you want. What mm-hmm. sort of stuff do you track in combat? Yeah, um, aside from positioning, which is becoming more important, at least in my campaign, my, my players have recently told me that they want to use minis. So, right. so we're doing that, um, which is a, a change for me. <laughs> it's a natural, it's a natural progression. Yes. Yeah. And they've all, got, all gotten very cool minis and stuff. And I think they're excited about painting them and, and things. So, yeah. so that's fantastic. Yeah. So aside from that, I'm, I'm mostly tracking hit points and, I play pretty fast and loose with those hit points. I, I, I use the monster manual as a guideline, not a not a rule. Yeah, if if something isn't going down in a, yeah, in a satisfying number of combat um, actions, yeah, it'll get more <clears throat> yeah more hit points or fewer hit points um, as needed. But um, yeah, I think those are just kind of the primary two things. It's really just yeah, hit points and then yeah, positioning. Are the so you, I'm concerned so with. you could run a combat. So when you sit down to prepare for a combat scene and you're jotting down the monster stats, you pretty mm-hmm. much just write the monster's name and its hit points and its attack bonus maybe uh yeah i mean uh let's see recently i actually just had the monster manual at the table and it was flipping back and forth i had like three or four monsters that wasn't great so i need to come up with a better system i i I hope i don't end up having to write my own like yeah web app but maybe i'll just take yours jason (laughs) for those of us who can that's wonderful but uh yeah Uh, i think the i've used in the past and i think i'll probably start using it a lot more um kobold fight club have you heard of this? Mm-mm. It's just, it's a website. It sounds like it doesn't be very similar to what yours does, Jason, where you can just sort of plug in the levels of all your characters um, and then hit, you know, if you want it to be a deadly encounter or yeah, uh, whatever sort of the huh. level of the encounter you want. And it'll just say like, here's a bunch of random monsters that fit that. And then you can you know, kind of filter it from there. Oh, that's really nice. It's super useful. Yeah. If you want to just be able to generate kind of a combat encounter quickly or like, you know that you're going to have one enemy type and you sort of need other ones to fill in, you can say like, okay, well, I, I'm going to have this, you know, what else can I add to it? Mm-hmm. That would still be within in the parameters. How about you, Jason? What kind of numbers are you keeping track of in a typical combat? Well, because I, I do have my tool, it, it it basically got to the point where... You can do all of them. <laughs> I, well, basically, yeah, because I can, I can track each one individually. Um, I pull them up. Uh, because I'm connected to the database of monsters that I have, so I can have all of their stats right there. The majority of the things that I will keep track of, that I have the ability to keep track of now easily, because I, I programmed it in there, is, is the, is the hit points. But then I have conditions, so I can mark them as whether they're blinded or oh, not. Oh, yeah. And then their legendary actions, or their, let's say they have, uh, they have a weapon, a magical weapon that has so many charges in it. And so I'll have, um, especially in the, in the, for the high monsters, legendary actions to track. Because some, sometimes you're going, did I use one or two legendary actions? Because, you know, yeah. 5, 5e is basically the, the side with the most attacked per turn is the one who's usually going to win. Yeah. And so you want to make sure your legendary monster has those. And so you don't want to forget them. And I kept forgetting them. Mm-hmm. And I go, why is he dead so fat oh so now i had to i put it in there i will track like the ready actions whether somebody's readied or not uh and this is because i use miniatures we use miniatures i mean we can see it but we don't use a grid we use basically a tape measure everybody's got these little tape measures hmm. and these little uh tape measures you can pull out when they go back in 
it, it's kind of nice too because they can take the tape measure and they can bend it. So if they want to go around and, and whatnot huh. and see exactly where they're at, I mean, I do, I do use your typical Chessex Mega Mat, you know, that does have a grid on it, but nobody pays attention to it. Yeah, that's an interesting way. I hadn't thought about doing uh, using a tape measure or you guys could use a, a pre-measured string or something like that. That's kind of a cool idea. We did. We tried. I tried little dowels with painted lines. Try that. That didn't work. Then we tried strings. Then we tried pipe cleaners. Oh yeah. That didn't work. And so then we've all settled on to these uh, little little tape measures because my wife, one of her former jobs was at uh, a window blinds, window coverings company. And uh, Levelure would come around and give these little pick swag things. <laughs> well, there were these little tiny little tape measures. <laughs> and so when she showed them to me, as I said, honey, I said, yeah, let's use those. Can you get more? <laughs> She's like, I can try. Yeah. Hey, I'm seeing a, a, a business model here. Uh, just repurpose those <laughs> as gaming tape measures and uh, make a fortune, right? Right, right. So, Jason, I, I have to ask, like, in combat, like, how fast do things move? Because it seems like you have a lot of moving pieces, and are people like sitting there, like being really precise with the tape measures? Or are they? No, they they move. They're it's super super fast. I'm. I have also encouraged my my players to think before, so that we doesn't get to their turn, and then we're waiting there, going, "Okay, what you're gonna do?" And one of them actually. Sometimes I have to say, "Okay, Ian, this okay." Can you just sit down a second? Because he, because he, bless his heart, he wants to prepare, and so he'll get up there with his tape measure. It's not his turn yet. He'll get up there with his tape measure, <laughs> trying to plan his turn. And I'm like, "You're in the way of the monster. I've got to." He's like, "Oh, sorry." He's he's um, it's amazing. He's a he's a veteran. For him to play this game and to have rules as I do them, very flexible, mm-hmm. is is kind of sometimes we're just like. It takes him out of his comfort zone for that, that, you know, wanting rules the same way. But in, in any case, so he will go up and he will do that or the other, uh, players, they, they will just think ahead and they will say, okay, here's where I'm going to go. And then they have their tape measure and they might stand up. Um, I don't know if you remember Andy, we had that table that sit on top of the table. Oh yeah. Okay. The, so I built another one of those. And so that's what we use. So they'll stand up and they'll go, okay, here's, uh, okay. So I got to mention it's again, and be, being 5e and because of the tools that I have, um, it just is super fast. Jason, you mentioned something, something that does come up in some of the later versions of Dungeons and Dragons, and that is tracking conditions. So mm-hmm. like being stunned or blinded or paralyzed, things like that. And that is something I, think adds a ton to combat when you really play into those conditions and if you have like medium level or higher characters uh, fighting medium level or higher monsters you you have lots of effects that are bringing conditions into play a lot but i do find them difficult to remember and i'm curious how you manage um how you manage those when i played a number of years ago in a fourth edition game which made in which conditions like that, it was especially important to know if your character was afflicted with some sort of condition. Um, there was a mechanical reason to take note if you were had dropped below 50% of your health, or if a monster did. And there were enough of these that the GM who was running the game um, for me, uh, he brought in these uh, different colored pipe cleaners, and when your and each pipe cleaner's color was keyed to a different condition. And so if you dropped below 
percent of your hit points and the game considered you bloodied, for instance, he would wrap a red pipe cleaner around the base of your miniature and each color had a, a different meaning. And over after a couple of sessions, we got to know what those were. And I don't know, it was kind of a fun and visual way to keep track of something that otherwise is just like, oh, hey, remember, you have a minus two on attacks until the next turn. Yeah, what what I did is I, I, I uh, stole... Uh, quite a few things, but I stole from, <laughs> stole things from, no, 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 from, from Critical Role, from Matt Mercer, where he would take and throw little, um, 20 ounce bottle, little, those little rings that are at the top oh, of your 20 yeah. ounce cans. And so I got a bunch of those different types of colors. So there's ones like on, um, like water bottles. They're clear. Oh. Yeah. So I popped all of those off. So those are clear. So usually I will use that and just hang it on their mini to say, okay, you're invisible. There's one where the bard, she likes to put crown of madness on some of the enemies. God, I hate that thing. (laughs) Um, and so I'll put like a black one on that. And so I just have a bunch of them in an organized little tray, color coded. Now I don't have one that says, okay, red is blinded. This is that. It's, it's it's more of a hey I, I need a, a visual indicator that something's up with this thing. My players are good at, at at tracking their own condition where they're at, but again, I can throw something on a monster and say this one's blinded. But then with my tool, I can also mark and show that it's it's blinded, and then I can look at the condition and see what uh, the pluses or minuses. Yeah, that's a good way to handle it. Yeah, Andy, what do you do? Yeah, I I think it's I'm in a similar boat as you. So I write before every combat encounter. I write a, an index index cards out for each type of monster in an encounter, and I'll put down hit points, you know, attack bonus and damage, and then I would usually jot down it's like any spell resistance related information along with any spells or special abilities it has, and then um, I guess saving saving throws that are relevant. So then it's all in the index card. Practically speaking, really, it's mostly just hit points and attack stuff, unless it unless it, magic powers are a key part of its uh, mm-hmm. identity, I guess. Um, so it's similar, similar to you, I think. I have invested in a couple of tools that help. At some point, I bought like a combat, a magnetic combat tracker. I think the one I got is published by the Pathfinder company, but there's a lot of versions of it out there. That has, you know, spaces where you can record some of the key combat numbers and a erasable mark, like a dry erase marker. And then I also recently bought a pack of, like, uh, cards that have the conditions on them for um, the Pathfinder system, because uh, this is when I was running Pathfinder. And then if so, if a player had some sort of a mechanical effect on them that they would have to keep in mind, I would hand them the card that says, hey, you are paralyzed, you are you know, at minus two, uh, you know, for the next couple turns. And yeah, I'm not keeping track of too much stuff, but even keeping track of that much stuff is hard. So I do like to have things like those visual aids you guys have been describing are really neat ideas, I think. And like a card that I can give someone so I don't have to worry about remembering their bonuses and penalties, that sort of thing. Yeah, this is really fascinating. Like, So I'm running a Blades in the Dark game that Andy's playing and too um but blades in the dark abstracts a lot of this um stuff into what it calls clocks so you just you sort of just draw a circle 
you give yourself some hash marks on that circle and sort of just fill it in as stuff is happening. Like if you were to take this into D&D, like a goblin would have a clock that has two sections that you need to fill in, whereas, you know, a legendary monster might have 20 or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, then as you're, you're sort of doing things in combat, you're just ticking off these sections of the clock. So for the, the GM, at least, you have this very visual visual representation of what's happening with each each monster or each sort of scenario because you can assign these clocks to other stuff in the game but yeah it's 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 very interesting going from D where you have sort of lots of stats and stuff to to be tracking to the blades in the dark where it's really just like yeah kind of just a series of like hash marks yeah obviously there's some systems where there's rel- <laughs> relatively little to worry about about com- in combat where it's not really much difficult different than any other die roll or skill skill test or skill challenge yeah, so what else have you guys come up with that helps you keep track of things? I guess, Jason, obviously you use software that you've developed, and that is enormously impressive, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, that is beyond my ability. But Chris, have you ever been tempted to use one of the various like combat tracking softwares out there to help you? Not really, mostly because I, I sort of play these games to get away from technology a yeah. little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's like the one time I don't have a computer in front of me. Yeah, so the, I don't have too much interest in that. Although I, I should say that Blades game that we're running, we're doing it online. So I'm using, we're using Roll20 for it. So this is my first kind of foray into using that for an ongoing yeah. campaign. And there's all sorts of neat and fascinating things in there that I don't know if I'll ever use, but you know, yeah. there's some, some stuff that's great. Like, everybody's character sheet is just there and no one's going to lose it and we, no one has to remember to bring it because it's just in the system so you log in and, it, and, and it's there and then there's some you know nice things like you can roll kind of any combination of dice that you want um, in the system without actually having to have them physically there so like, that's that's all pretty cool but yeah as far as my D games are concerned i like to try to keep it as analog as possible <laughs> i uh think talking about analog so mm-hmm. there's you know my, my computer app i mean it's is great. I love using it. One thing it does not have is saving state. Saving the state of my encounter. When I'm not, I don't have anything on paper mm-hmm. that's tracking hit points and whatnot. It's all on the computer. Then you have what happened to me the other night. Where <laughs> Windows nowadays is what they will do is if you haven't updated your computer, they will blue screen you. Yeah. <laughs> And because, it, you know, I run through HDMI out into this receiver that has an audio, suddenly I looked and it's just, and I'm like, and I looked over and everybody's like, what happened? And I'm like, game night's over, guys. No, no, it was, uh, so, uh, time for a break. Uh, let's take a break. And so fortunately... I kind of, I kind of remembered where where everybody's was, but then I basically just took the monsters and went half. They were at half, whatever. <laughs> they, yeah. I, and and then afterwards, uh, my wife says, "So, you know what you're doing next for the program, aren't you?" And I said, "Yep. I need to make a state thing where it saves every three seconds. Yeah. This happens. <laughs> I could do it again. So there's pluses and minuses to the technology. That's you true. Know? Yeah." Um, you know, and, I, and that was one of the things I just stopped and I went, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. What do you do for the, the map of the encounter? So if you have to stop in the middle of something, do you take a picture of it or do you just not stop in the middle of an encounter? Well, no, really, you don't, but, but yeah. no, we had, um, we, uh, did, uh, stop one night 
and they were kind of in the middle um, where it was these fire giants basically locked them behind a big stone door so they were locked inside the fire giant big fire giant tower and so it was not technically a like a combat encounter but it kind of felt like it but we had to stop and so that's what we did is I took a photo of the table from my direction. My wife took a photo from her direction. Another <laughs> one took a photo from this yeah. direction so that we could go, okay, here's where everybody was when we last started. So I think we're coming up on our time, and we have a couple of kind of closing notes I want to make sure that we get to before we sign off. So how about in closing, can each of you guys take like 20 seconds and share a tip for managing combat. So here's my tip. I already kind of mentioned it, so I'm cheating. I find index cards, like just the little three by five cards, are a wonderful GMing tool. P- pick out a, an index card for each player character and jot down their key information. Any monsters that you anticipate showing up, give them each an index card. Just put them in a stack next to you um, and just jot down only the stuff you care about, like the hit points and stuff like that. So index cards, they're your friends. Chris, all right. Give us a tip for managing combat stuff. My hot tip for hit points is add up to the the number of hit points that they have. Don't try to subtract down. Whoa. Whoa. My mind is being blown. Yeah. Uh, Maybe you're very good at subtraction. I am not. Addition is a lot easier for me. So, yeah, I picked this up somewhere. I'd read it on a forum, and it was just like, oh, and it it has made things a lot less stressful for me. You know, because I also use the index card where I hastily kind of write down what's happening and that tip alone has saved me so much stress huh i have i have literally never heard of someone tracking like (laughs) tracking damage instead of like reducing health like that that's okay try it next time (laughs) i've learned something new today jason how about you what's your 20 second tip for running combat but it's kind of funny chris mentioned that our uh player ian he does that Andy, you know, before I did my tool, that's what I was doing. It's basically three by five cards. I will say the times where um, I've had it where my tool hasn't had a monster in it, and I went, oh, I forgot to add this one. Sometimes it's just um, like sticky notes in the monster manual. So before before the the combat, you know, before the night, just kind of throw them in there. At okay, here's the monsters that might be here. Um, I know uh, one time where I needed to use... I knew I was going to use an uh, Ice Devil, and I knew I wanted to use the optional uh, spear that they have. It's so I actually put on the page, with a sticky note, a big arrow that says, use this, and right into the little <laughs> subtext, so that I knew I had a, a visual representation of going, okay, this monster, oh, I'm going to have this, okay, I wanted to use that. Yeah. So so use visual, use little visual cues is what you're Visual cues, yeah, that's yes. What I've learned here is that my amazing tip, apparently every GM in the world knows about this and already does it. So thanks a lot, guys. I feel, I feel pretty smart. You've helped someone, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. The index cards, kids. Uh, it's, it's a great tip. So hey, uh, we should wrap up here. Before we close, we have a couple things we want to get to. First off, Jason, we're really glad you joined us tonight. Do you have anything you would like to uh, pitch or call out, like any projects you got going on? I, I could pitch my tool, but it's 
completely just local to my own computer right now. Yeah, you don't want people coming to your house uh, looking to. Yeah, to yeah, it's only local that way because I again I use copyrighted stuff, but you know it's in my own house, so I you know I can grab music from Bloodborne and yeah. you know the sound effects from World of Warcraft. You know I can use that. But um, this is turning into a, into a real confessional sort of episode. I have to say. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, the code, the basic code, is up on, on GitHub. It's a hack together type of thing. So I'll I'll give you. The link to it, you guys. Can yeah, we'll we'll put it in the show notes. So awesome. Um, and then um, I did release a magic item oh. for DM's Guild. Hey, cool! It's called the Habler's Purse. I wanted a more creative way for my players to be able to carry around their coin. You know, a lot of times we don't do encumbrance. You know, the players that want oh, encumbrance, come on. And so, you know, you want them to be able to. You know, I'm on a dragon's horde. What there are. Three million copper pieces. How am I going to store that? Oh, just throw in a bag of holding. But do you know how much the three million copper pieces weigh? It's it's not logical. So, what I did was the Habler's purse is actually a magic item that's about the size of a dollar bill, and you lay it on top of a thing of coins, and you speak a command word, and it takes all those coins up to ten thousand gold pieces worth and shoves it in it. And then if you speak another command word about how much that you want to take out, you it'll just plop, and then the, the coins will be right there. Except there's a withdrawal fee. <laughs> so it's 50 gold. So it stops the players from going, oh, I got all this money. Hey, I'm just going to do it. It's like, whoa, you got all this money, but okay, am I really going to take this out? I don't know. It's It's expensive to take my money out. So anyway, so that's up to call Habler's Purse. On the DMs Guild, it's a it's a pay what you want. Okay, yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes. And uh, yeah, I don't know whether to thank you or be mad at you for bringing like real life like horrible banking practices into uh, our D and D. That sounds awesome. So, hey, one thing we wanted to be sure to do before we closed out today is uh, just to thank everybody who has been listening to us. We know. Because some of you guys tweet at us or you uh, email us or send us messages that there are people out there that are listening and we really appreciate your listening and your feedback when you choose to give it uh, to us. So I know Chris mm-hmm. and I have both appreciated appreciated the feedback that we've gotten. Yeah, tremendously. I think when we started this, we weren't sure what it was going to become. So it's, it's great to get some some feedback and yeah, hear that people are enjoying it and it's, uh, it's helping them sort of think through some of the things that they're they're thinking about at the table. One other thing, Jason, before we say goodbye, um, we have to replace the table, uh, the topic on the table. So <laughs> we've, we've talked about how do you manage enemy NPC hit points, and now that's got to get replaced with a new topic. If you have something that you want to place on the table for some other sucker to have to roll and talk about, we would love to, <laughs> to add that. Theater of the mind versus tactical you know, like using minis or, um, and, and, you know, do you, do you use gridded or non-gridded combat? So however you would phrase that as far as the, that particular topic. I think that's a fantastic topic. Yeah. There's a, that's a deep one too. There's a ton to talk Mm -hmm. about. Okay. We'll get that added up on the table of topics. Well, thank you, Jason, so much for joining us. Yes, thank you. Um, I've been Chris Salzman. I've been Andy Rao. And remember, if your players are having fun, you're a great GM. 